0: We all know education is one of the biggest things in the industry at the moment. It's why we've created the XY Advisor platform. It allows advisors to do short four-week courses. And what we're really keen to do is to get as many awesome content providers in there. So if you're an advisor or a service provider who have put together an awesome solution which can affect change in the way an advisor does their job on a Monday morning, please do put together an application for us at www.xyadvisor.com. Vince Scully. Welcome. Adrian Patty, how are you? Mm-hmm. Good, man.
1: It's
2: great to have you on here. It's um it's not your first time, is it?
1: No, it's not. So you There a- are not too many first-time experiences left when you get to my age.
2: Oh <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Get someone get the violin out. <laughs> We've But you weren't on the actual um in the studio. No, I was sitting in my office with my um earbuds in with that mini mini sound delay that just
0: means that you can sometimes miss. It's miss. so much better now. That's it's right. So much better. So it's uh, th- hey, cheers, man. Well, welcome to the cheers, studio. Client.
1: Woo! Mm-hmm.
2: So Life Sherpas, uh, the um, I guess the a cool. All right, I'm still going to give it startup status. <laughs> like, all right, like from a not from a from a stage of business, but just from an innovation standpoint. It's a bit of a disruptor,
1: you might say. Would you? Well, how long has it been around for now? Well, as a concept, it's been around for nearly four or five years, but we've been live for two years, hmm. almost two years. Well, startups fair them. Yeah, I think that's fair. Oh,
2: I, I like the side of startups where people think like, well, they're doing something new, and this is like certainly what you've been doing the last few years. And well, I, I guess for some people that don't know
1: about um, what the journey's been like, do you would you like to share? Sure. Well, the concept behind LifeSherpa was financial advice for people without any money. And that may sound a bit silly, but what I mean by that is that it's the, uh, the unadvised portion of the population. We've all heard those numbers about 20% of the population is there only people who've seen a financial planner. Well, there's actually a really good reason for that. And that is when you look at Australia's 8.6 million households... Only twenty percent of them have more than a hundred thousand dollars of non super investable assets. Mm-hmm. Oh. So if you're running a business that's fundamentally around assets under management, mm-hmm. well, actually, that's a full market. Now that's not say it's a bad business because if you take nineteen thousand financial planners, one point nine million households, that's a hundred each, mm. which is a pretty good business.
2: And and the I guess the um, the numbers are about to get rejigged over the next few years, so it's probably going to be about one hundred fifty per planner on those stats. Exactly. What do you mean? Ah, oh, there's going to be an attrition in AR statuses. What are
0: you trying to say, That's
2: What are you trying to say? Um, well, there's a, there's a number of variables coming into play. Are you
0: bearish there. on advisor numbers? I am very bearish on <laughs> advisor numbers. <laughs> How come? Um, well, uh,
2: education standards, um, business model disruption, removal of ga- grandfathering potential. Um, there's a lot of things that would edge a lot of people out of the industry, because it's a complete change required for some businesses to what's been
1: done over the last few years. So, Yeah, I'm not sure I fully agree with that. You know, I'm sure there is lots of change coming, but mm. is it any more than the change we've had over the last 25 years? Yeah, you know, this is an industry that's gone from financial advice 1.0, which was selling insurance mm-hmm. and selling managed funds, to 2.0, which was strategy mm-hmm. used to sell products. And now- <laughs> <laughs> and now- <laughs> tell, me, tell me about 3.0. <laughs> 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 Financial Advice 3.0 is about focusing on actually giving advice, which requires products for implementation. And I think that's the fundamental change that we're seeing. Now, mm. lots of people who started this game 30 years ago may not have kept up with that and could get away with it for the last 20 years. But I think that's where the change is happening. And, and you- most of those people are going to be you know, 55, 60 plus- mm. And many still have bowlers, mm. so um, so what it, is that? What, what do you think is so? Going I to happen? think there will be there will be some attrition, but it will be at that very upper end, mm. and most of them have clients who are older than themselves. Mm. So there's sort of twenty years of life left for those. So advisors. booming like, year for aged care specialists. Yeah.
0: Mm.
2: Oh, I was going to so that third level. I'd argue there's almost like a, a fourth level above that.
1: 3.0.1. <laughs> oh, I'd even give it a 4.0 actually.
0: Yeah. What's that?
2: Well, so you sort of, you delved into the strategy space and the technical space and just, but like really, like when you go further above that, it's actually, what's a high value proposition? It's the
1: relationship, the the behavioral side of
2: things and what's happening there. Like you've done a lot in that space.
1: Absolutely. I mean, this whole behavioral thing is is the key to it. So, and I think Vanguard even did some numbers on this. I uh, can't remember the fancy word they use for it. What comes after alpha, beta, gamma, delta, delta, delta epsilon, delta, gamma? Anyway, they they, they coined. I don't know. Echo.
2: I learned, I learned. <laughs>
0: epsilon.
2: <laughs> or, I was just. I, I learned the Greek alphabet when I was in primary school.
0: Ah, so um, that's how. It's the, it's the one link you have to your heritage.
2: Yeah, my grandma's <laughs> still not very impressed with my. Uh, so it's actually Patigopolis or something, is it? <laughs> no, it actually used to be Varapatis. Varapatis. Yeah. And like nineteen forties um Greek family growing up in Tamworth, they uh thought they'd anglicise it a little bit. So they Fair enough. They turned me Irish. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> it's actually O patty. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> <Or> patty <laughs> Yeah. Well my, my alcohol consumption would match that. Uh <laughs> <Holla>. <laughs> So you ran the
1: Euros shop in Tamworth, did you?
2: I did. My uh, my dad used to, they had a cafe there, actually, and my um my father used to, I think they, they didn't have it till he was too much older, but um, yeah, what he used literally used to sort of be at the cash register. You know, think of that, those like little corner stores in the suburbs where the kids still come up and they like they take the cash. That was mm-hmm. what he used cash to Cash money, special? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There was no pay pass going on back then. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> uh, but getting back to behavior, I think Vanguard did some numbers where they suggested that of the... 3% a year that a financial advisor could add for their client, two point something of it came from behavior. Mm. They're not they're not precise numbers, but go Google the Vanguard report. It's, mm. it's good reading. Um, and that's really where I come from. I think the vast bulk of this is, is behavior. You know, personal finance is called personal finance for a reason because mm. it's personal. And I see lots of people who manage big budgets at work, mm-hmm. you know, million dollar budgets at work, and have no problems with it. But their own finances are a mess. Mm. And why is that? It's because emotions get in the way. Totally. And what we've got to do is develop techniques to manage those emotions. And uh, that's where a good advisor comes in. Mm. And what do you suggest? Well, I mean, there's <clears throat> lots of ways you can do it. Um, at LifeShaper, we focus on, uh, I guess, three things that we start with. The first one is personality. And we've got a personality profile of what, the clients have to have one? Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> which, is why we, which, which is why we don't have accountants and clients. Well. Oh, 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 he do all have something <laughs> to say to you about that. Well as an accountant I think I can say yeah, that. Touche, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> touche. <touché. laughs> so you figure out their personality. Yeah.
1: So there's you know, as advisors we've always looked at risk, you know, risk tolerance and risk risk tolerance and ability to wear risk. But there's twelve other psychological traits that actually make up how we deal with money. Uh, They're things like involvement. Mm -hmm. So we've all had those engineers and teachers as clients who want to second guess everything we do. Well, they will generally profile with a high involvement score. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have people who've got um, high work ethic. They believe that success comes from work. It's not about luck. Mm -hmm. And others who believe it's about luck. Um, there are others who have got a lot of altruism and trust. You know, they trust that other people will generally look after their money. They think that they should look after other people. Mm-hmm. So all those traits go together to make up your – explain why you do what you do with when it comes to money. And that, so that's where we start. Uh, Interesting. The, what, what's the name of that test? Or we call it the Life Shopper Money Personality Profiler. Oh, there you go. Okay, um, very cool. So we actually license some of the underlying technology out of the U.S., but right. we host the – the quiz and process the answers. Awesome. But the, but the underlying algorithm comes from, from the US, and it's been around for about 30 years. Right. And there are hundreds of thousands of US profiles that we can benchmark against. We've, wh- we've got about 4,000 now that we, we benchmark. Wow. And it's, it's remarkably reliable. Um, we, uh, one of the profiles is the, is the hunter, mm-hmm. which it tends to be female, um, and they generally have a... Um, they spend for prestige, so the classic mm. is I'm a successful lawyer, I need to look the part. And so they spend lots of money on clothes. That's sort of the right. classic one. Uh, guys would do the same thing with a car. Yeah. Yep. I'm a successful real estate agent, I've got to drive a BMW. Um so those behaviours generally lead to a spending problem. And that's our number one profile that we get at Love Shopper. And they tend to be young women in creative or professional jobs. Gotcha. And making what per year? Oh, uh, a hundred plus. Yeah. yeah, interesting. So they so they're not poor. They've got lots of income. Yeah, but they've got big spending. Yes, and spending that's about this external validation. Mm. And when you actually combine that then with values, when you go from personality to values to goals, you actually can change that behaviour. So it's not really. So personality is not. In your DNA, it's not mm. fixed for life. It can a surface change level. over time.
2: So it's, it's what's showing up at the time. Yeah.
1: Well, what would you suggest
0: to someone to to a young female who's making one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year
1: and she spends all of her money? What What would you suggest? Well, the first step is actually understanding that and sure. why you're doing that. Um, so I don't see it as my role to say, well, look, you shouldn't buy a Kate Spade handbag. Right. Um, if you want a Kate Spade handbag, buy a Kate that's Spade It's probably handbag. gone up in price recently. Probably. <laughs> it might good. be collector's items now. Yeah. Um, but that's not our role as advisors. Our role is to say, well, he, he, let's help you understand why you're doing that and understand whether that's adding value to your life.
0: Right. So you take personality, then you take values, that's... and their values are X, Y, Z, and and, and then you can – show them or, or, or and say this is where you're spending your money and this is what your values are and then there's a disconnect
1: that's right and that disconnect is what leads to these feelings of angst mm. right so you know the two most common expressions we hear people particularly in that sort of late 20s early 30s the two big sayings you get is i just feel like i'm not getting ahead or why are my friends buying houses and i can't mm. And the answer is actually around aligning spending and values, because buying a house might not actually be aligned with your values and personality. You might p- prefer to spend the money on travel or whatever. And it's not our role as advisors. I I don't see it as our role to say, you know, spending on holidays bad, spending on house good. It's lining the two up, and um, that's where the personality. So personality values so what what's it really important to you yeah you know, so you see lots of people valuing adventure excitement where travels really important so we've got to help them build a spending plan that takes that into account but leaves enough for the I feel like I'm getting ahead stuff mm. so and then you that brings you on to goals and once you have got those three together, you can, Personality, uh, values, and goals. goals. And goals in that context is not financial goals. Nobody ever, yeah. I've been in, in this game for a long time, nobody's ever walked into my office and said, I've got a real goal to save 20% of my income.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: right? We fabricated that as part of our strategy or planning where we sometimes create these financial goals. These goals are all a function of a life goal.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So you've got someone who's got a life goal to open a yoga studio well, that's going to create a whole bunch of goals. It's going to create some education goals. So you might need to get a certificate. It's going to create some lifestyle goals, like you need to be fit and flexible, and it's going to create a financial goal because you now need you need some money for rent, you need some money for marketing, you need to keep yourself going while you're while you're doing it. So you put all of that together, and now you've got a plan that aligns with their values. That sounds remarkable. It, it I mean, it, it's amazing. It's taken me thirty five years to get here. It sounds really good. <laughs>
0: it's. And you're an you're an ex accountant. I'm an ex accountant, and, and now you're off with the fairies. No, I'm kidding. But um, but it sounds amazing, mate. So where did you get all this from, or did you just think it up?
1: It's come out. I mean, there's a huge amount of research that's gone into it, but it really came out of my previous experience. Um, so my last advice business, which I sold to Mark Boris in 2007. Um Hello. Good timing. Great um, timing. <laughs> December 2007. <laughs> <for that> <laughs> <bit>. <laughs> Oh my goodness (laughs) That uh, we had 111 clients All of them had self-managed super fund All of them had more than a million dollars And all were over 65 And what was I doing for them? Well, did they really care that we made another 35 basis points a year on their Investments? No, not really Mm. And some of them Particularly valued particular activities We had one woman She was a retired uh, professor She was in her 70s had a 40-year-old boyfriend and there were two things that she was obsessed about one that the boyfriend wasn't <laughs> going to get the money okay that's what that thinking. is so funny okay <laughs> and two and this was the one that really did my head in she wanted a health card just yeah just yeah she, she just was because per- all she of was her friends perfectly healthy she'd never been I paid all my done.
2: taxes all these
1: years yeah I want my health card and we got her a health code. Hi. <laughs> I. Don't, I don't think it works anymore, but back then you could you could do it, wow. and that was what she loved us for. So she was paying us forty thousand dollars a year in fees. Yes. And the thing she valued most about this was not our investment expertise or dealing with her RBLs. Don't have RBLs anymore, but. No. Um, yeah. You know, sorting all her compliance and all that sort of stuff, yep. and all she was obsessed about was this medical code. Yeah. And, and, so that's, and stuff in and the funds going into the toy box. Yeah. And that sort of says, <laughs> guys, this is not about money.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I, called
1: financial planning, but it's not actually about the money. It's about what we do with it.
0: Do advisors use Life Sherpa
1: as an onboarding program? Our advisors do. Would, is, oh, could, is, could other advisors? Can other advisors? Um there's no reason why that um personality profiler couldn't be made available to other advisors. We haven't today, um, but it could be. OK. And it could be white-labeled for the Great. right sort of volumes. Um, it's- um, Got to help people on- m- Well, maybe doing. that's something what like XY could consider doing as it's a service to its members. Um, but anyway, so setting that aside, um, yeah, so that was my epiphany was, well, actually, what am I doing here as an advisor? These are people who've got lots of money, relatively speaking. And am I making a difference to their life? Well, not really. Oh shush! Her medical card was a great story, (laughs) but and she was glad. But you know, six weeks later, that was all water under the bridge. And um, yet, we had this bulk of the population who really needed some help and wasn't able to get it because we, as an industry, needed to charge an assets under management fee. And 80% of the households in the country have less than $100,000 of non-super assets. So what's the story here? And that was really – and the thing that – So that set off a journey. That where, set off a journey, and the journey there really is what do they want and what do they need, and they need help with um, what what we now call um, living the life you want with the money you have. Mm-hmm. And that last bit is the important point. I've
0: got, I got a much uh, more succinct way of saying that. It's uh,
1: just fund your ideal lifestyle. <laughs> exactly. Available
2: um. at all good bookstores.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but not available in the Amazon overseas store. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, we, um, we uh, as advisors, we, what do we do? We rebranded ourselves as wealth managers and alienated 50% of the population who don't think they have wealth. Mm. And that was one of the big things that came out in our focus studies was this group of people said, wealth, what's that? We don't have it. We have money. Mm. We have money problems. We have goals and aspirations, but we don't actually have wealth. Now, many of them do have wealth, but not the way. Wealth is such a weird, weird, weird word. It's a horrible word. I hate it. It's It's very subjective.
0: But it's just so like no one thinks they're wealthy. You ask, you you think of someone you thinks wealthy, and then ask them if they think they're wealthy, and they'll be Vince. Like, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> example, uh, right? But but no. But if you seriously the gold talk post to someone, on moving. Uh, correct, no one thinks they're wealthy. So yeah, it's, Are such we a, there yet? it's such
1: a yeah, it's such a bad word, isn't it? it? Is. And as an industry, right through the nineties and noughties,
0: are we, we all, actually calling them noughties? Are well, we comf- I don't know. Are we comfortable with doing
1: that now? They're over now. <laughs> <laughs> you can call them whatever you want. Um, <laughs> and for a lot of people, they weren't a particularly good decade, but setting that aside, um, we as an industry rebranded from financial planning or financial advice to wealth management. Mm. And what does it mean? I or are you don't saying know. it flipped from
2: there to wealth management?
1: Yeah. Well, no yeah. one talked about wealth management in the 90s. Oh. This is a new rebranding of the industry. A phenomena. A ph- so, phenomena. So, 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 you... so well, it's interesting.
2: Me... <laughs> well, I was just going to say, interesting when you go out to the accounting world. So we, we talk to a lot of accountants around financial advice and when you say financial advice in that world, if you don't go, like if you don't bring in like wealth, they don't, they don't get it. They don't like, because they're the financial advisors mm. for their clients, which are <laughs> businesses generally, but they don't, a lot of them don't really get this personal financial planner concept. It's like, yeah you you like invest the money and this is like a majority of the accounting world like it's 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 really it's like when you think about how big that is like these guys are the ones that are actually a lot of the potential clients out there are linked to these guys and they actually don't know what financial planning is so how are you going to get a referral from someone that doesn't get financial planning from a concept standpoint exactly so it's a, yeah it's, it's interesting interesting you, that that, you just that
1: that you just got to follow the money if you look at the total fees and commissions paid by australian consumers It's about $6 billion a year. And less than 20% of that is paid for non-super investment advice. Non-super? Less than 20%. 40% of it is paid on debt. Yes. And about 30% on risk. Okay. And the rest is investment advice. So all of this stuff that we've been focused on for the last 20 years about investment management... Something we can't add a lot of value to once you get beyond asset allocation. Totally, and it's a tiny part of the revenue part but, but
2: Back in like before Life Sherpa days, like you were picking the best investments for events. Well,
1: you we, were... we we did actually run. <laughs> we ran MDAs before they were trendy. So we but were they like was there a value
2: like? So like, there's two ways to run MDAs. There's those MDAs where, like, the um, there's some sort of investment uh, philosophy and then it actually exceeds that and does really well. And then there's the MDAs where, like, oh, it's, it's so confusing that there's no benchmark to assess to. Here, here's another look at your confusing portfolio every year. And,
1: um, yeah. No, we actually spent, spent a lot of time on, <laughs> which, which on attribution analysis. Okay. We, we ran it in-house. <laughs> we actually had an MDA licence Okay, um, in 2003. And um, we had a... We had an internal funds manager mm-hmm. who had a broker's assistant and an admin assistant to run the book, and then we had planners who didn't do that. So it was like an internal funds management business, but we did attribution analysis. So we started with a strategic asset allocation, and then every month we tilted it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we looked at, well, what did that tilt actually do, plus mm-hmm. or minus? Yeah. And then you look at what did your stock selection do, plus or minus, Okay. even down to execution of the trade. So my, how it was so my broker's assistant was appraised on how much above or below VWAP for the day that he achieved. Wow. What? So That's we, some stats collection there. Well, it <laughs> that, 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 that goes with the territory. But that was how we looked at it. And we said, well, look, if we're going to do this, we've got to demonstrate that we're adding value. Yep. Um, now, the client wasn't necessarily seeing that as a fee for advice because they paid a single fee. Mm. Which was tiered, so it wasn't a percentage of AUM, but it was tiered. So obviously, the more you had, the more you paid, mm-hmm. and that included you know, the MDA, your self managed fund, admin, tax return, audit, yep. a complete one stop shop, and um, it was a very profitable business. So yeah, it's a good, it was a good business. Um, but
0: did you achieve alpha? We did. Um, did you sell
1: your company based on achieving alpha? We sold it based on run rate EBIT. Um, so. No, no, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. But um, no. so, did I sell it to the clients? Yeah. Um, that wasn't a particular um, well alpha in the pure investment sense, probably not. But if you look back in those days, you know there was a huge amount of value you could add by looking at RBLS. That's reasonable benefit limits mm. for anyone who's what, listening?
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah those, those are like um, super rules from back in the day yeah. where they used to change it every year.
1: Well, that was before they changed them every year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That geez. was where they were that way for years until Peter Costello changed it all and changed the world in 2007. Um, just in time for everyone to tip in a million dollars and lose it in the GFC. oh, <laughs> or, or buy a, an advice business, if you're Mark Worth, Or indeed buy an advice business. <laughs> um, and so you, there was a huge amount of value you could add from a technical structuring perspective. So that was value that you could clearly demonstrate, mm. uh, and we had quite a few clients who had very large super balances and equally big RBLs. Are you saying that um, that you see the system simplified since yeah, then? Yeah, I reckon super super in particular is much simpler than it used to be.
2: So there's less, um, I guess, opportunities to really offer something, offer offer value in that space from a strategic standpoint. That's besides just put more in, sort of thing, yeah. and creating that behaviour
1: change. Yeah, there is. Okay. Um, that may sound strange to anyone who's lived through the last decade. Or well,
2: even like, yeah, most people entering, they're like, oh, they just changed the rules again last year. Like those 1. 1. 1.6 mil, that's a bit, that's created a bit of complexity. Or are you saying that's nothing compared to those RBL
1: days? No. But bear in mind that a 1.6 million balance limit looks awfully like an RBL. Yes, so that was essentially the same philosophy, wasn't yeah. it? To so it's that. really saying in those days you could put as much as you wanted in, um, but you could only get tax concessions on your reasonable balance limit, mm. yeah, reasonable benefit limit, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Which is sort of so
2: they, they <laughs> so they just left it long enough for a whole lot of people to dump shitloads of money on who had no problems supporting themselves in retirement for about that's over ten years, isn't it? Yeah. They just been able to add. What's the max each year? Oh, yeah, let's just put that in the sofa. It's a good thing because the welfare system would have been overloaded if they weren't able
1: to do that. (laughs) Not quite sure how that works. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, that, that was a, you know, we went through the, from the sort of no rules of the 80s to the RBL world in the
2: 90s. How was that? Actually, can you tell us about this no real world? It sounds like it'd be fun, and we'll be, maybe like um, you know, before
1: the CIS Act in ninety one. It was ninety one. The CIS Act wasn't it? Um, I, I was only born a couple of years yeah, before. The self managed super <laughs> fund world was the wild west, um, and you you saw a lot of people with very big balances. Okay, because uh, that when you that was when you could just put
2: more or less, yeah, whatever you wanted into a pretty tax concession and you could
1: environment. There was very limited rules. Um, And then we sort of had that tightening up in the CIS Act and then Costello sort of unwound it all in 2007. Mm. So maybe we've just got back to a more complicated way of getting to the same thing and maybe... (laughs) Don't say that (laughs) all that pain was just for the same outcome. Is that what you're saying? I'm not sure there's a lot of difference between our 1.6 million... What's what's, what's it called? Super balance cap. The balance cap, yeah, yeah. Um, is um, all that different to an RBL. Mm. Albeit it's a flat number, so it's easy to know, so you can just remember 1.6 million. That's true. Back then, every every person had their own individual RBL. Yeah,
2: so that that kept you working. Which that kept, kept gave you a kept bit of,
1: working, of. And there was a whole bunch of technical stuff around that that you needed to keep right on top of, which and, is why accountants were particularly good at it. Well, on
2: the accounting side of things for the personal, like individual situations, there was a lot more. Things you could do back yeah. then. Like, really, the restriction on the personal tax um, minimization space mm-hmm. is really like, there's not as much as what could be done back then. That's right. Less forestry, forestry schemes. Uh, well, that's probably <laughs> a big thing.
1: I must admit, I always maintained that I'd much rather give the money to the tax office than give it to these guys to plant in trees when I'd never see it again. That's um, true. Well, so because you, you lots of people things- lost lots of money in those days. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So, tell us more about um, the life Sherpa of Wall Street in the 90s.
2: <laughs> is that
0: different to the wolf?
2: <laughs> yeah, up to that end of the nineties.
0: Yeah, um, so, you, so yeah, you're, you're tossing, you're tossing small people in in the office.
1: Is is that what you were up to? No, it was not. It was no quite that. <laughs> although I must, it's one of my favourite parts of that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although I must admit, when I did start, when I started in London in 1983, when before they deregulated the market over there, so commissions were regulated, so stop commissions. There was a number I can't remember what it was, but it was the law, so you couldn't compete on price.
2: Oh, so it was a fl- like a set fee, so there not was a cap. A set fee. It so was the government
1: like... said, "Here's the price that you're going to charge as a stockbroker." So everyone charged that and went off to lunch, and a normal lunch involved at least two pints of beer every day. Boom! And the long lunch was alive and well. And then the American banks came along. That, that's like every day. Yeah, that was the. That sounds like that a, was a good, that that's was, living. That, that wasn't. <laughs> um, I mean, the rest of the world wasn't particularly healthy at that time, which I'll get back to in a moment. But then the American banks came in, and they didn't drink at lunchtime. Oh, so fun. And, and they moved from the city to Victoria. So JP, uh, was it J.P. Morgan's? I think it was Morgan's was at Victoria, which is the other end of the city for anyone who's been in London. And they just changed the lunchtime culture. And then they deregulated in 86. So commissions were deregulated. And the city just went wild. And that was the booming 80s, the sort of 80, 85 to. Well, because it just became so much more competitive. Yeah. And the cost of. And everyone was money. pumping money in. The Thatcher government was privatising stuff. So everyone was a share owner. Mm. And um, they were developing a whole bunch of new units, uh, apartments in London. The depression of the early 80s was sort of over and it was boom times. And um, then, of course, 87 came along and the property crash in 90, mm-hmm. which obviously happened here as well. What were you doing at the 87 crash? In the 87 crash, I was actually working for mobile oil and I was travelling the world, but I was heavily exposed to... Um, so you weren't dealing in the markets? No, had, you, were I, just, you were just exposed At to that them. point, I was I was an investor, so I was making... I'd finished... I graduated business school in 86 and um, started to work for mobile oil and travelling through Middle East Asia... And buying a lot of shares and heavily overexposed. So in 19, October nineteen eighty seven I was in Vienna and I could see the headlines in German, but I couldn't sort of read them. Oh, and this is pre-internet, so it wasn't like your phone told me. That was you. the only
2: way you are going to find
1: out. <laughs> and so I'm walk, walking down the street to the office and seeing all these big headlines going, mm, it doesn't look very good, but I've got no idea what it means. All these arrows pointing down. Like, <laughs> so I got into the office and um, phoned my broker in London and goes, What's happening? And um, it was, and pretty, he hard. Pick it was up. pretty hard and to get pick through. Up. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: how, much, how much,
1: what are the losses
0: like in percentage uh, terms?
1: I think on the first day it would have fallen like 20, 30%. So it's. Wow. I don't think it was as bad as. The the GFC. The day of the GFC. Mm. um, but uh, And it recovered, I think, more quickly. I don't have the numbers off the top of my head. But the only thing that saved me was the fact that Japan took two years to fall. So it taught me the benefits of diversification. Mm. So if if I hadn't been heavily exposed to Japan, I would have been stuffed completely. Right. Was oh, okay. there leverage? There was lots of leverage. <laughs> Aha, <laughs> there we go. Um, sorry, I just kicked the table in. Eh? Um, That's all right. So lots of leverage.
2: Um, and CFDs weren't around back then, but no. um, futures contracts were out?
1: Yeah, well, it was expensive to buy. So um, it was more a margin loan, essentially. So more margin margin lending. Oh, so you're really backing it. We've got um, a baller here. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, <it's- laughs> it taught me the benefits of diversification um, and- in some ways, not having that internet presence helped you help me manage through it because mm, you're, just... you're not getting updates every five minutes saying the market's down another 20 points or 30 points or 200 points. Um, you just got to go, Well, look, it's down now. What do I do? And LCD
2: TV screens weren't everywhere around,
1: correct? So Guess going, You know, your portfolio's gone down.
2: Poor, 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 going
1: down. You're just trying to walk Remember away. MTV it. had just started. Yeah. I don't think Fox, Fox News didn't use I don't think Sky existed. Hmm. Um, so, well, this is a bit of a history lesson for some of the XYs <laughs> out there. Um, <laughs> yeah. so, <this> is, <laughs> so I don't want to sound like the old codger in the group, but um, ah, it was an interesting time. It was an interesting it's... time. And having felt that personal experience, um, it I think allows me to help people through it in future when you know what the risk is and and, and if have you look felt if it. you look at australia well we we had so i arrived in australia in 90 so just to experience the the near collapse of westpac the the collapse of pyramid building society tricontinental so all of the um, yeah so not, the early 90s was not a a particularly happy place particularly in victoria There's a lot of shifts going on in the economy. Yeah, and um, that's the last time we had a real. um, Was the last down? Depression recession i always, always nervous about using words like recession and depression. You know, they say the difference is a recession is when you lose your jobs. Sorry, a, a recession is when your your mate loses his job. A depression is when you lose your job. <laughs> Forget the economic definition of... Well,
2: I guess the main point is there hasn't been enough hit to the economic psyche of Australia since then to really, uh, I guess, slow, I guess, uh, over-exuberance down, you
1: might say. That's right. You know, so you go from 91... Even ninety nine two thousand, which affected the US, didn't really affect us here. You know the tech crash. No, when you look at the difference, really the Aussie market you. hadn't popped up as much, so it wasn't really. Um, we didn't have any tech, so <laughs> yeah, Sydney house prices were were flat through ninety five, started to lift and ran till two thousand and three, and then sort of ran flat till two thousand and six seven. Mm. Um, so it was a completely different place. And um, I'm not sure that Australians are really ready for I got no the idea. next one.
2: No, it's like the majority of the population <laughs> has no idea what the environment, what you would have seen. Like, Clay and I don't really know. Not, We may know sort of personal like um, ebbs and flows in terms of our own experiences, but we don't
1: know what an a
2: con- economic sort of hit to a whole... So society yeah. looks
1: like. I mean in London in when I f- arrived in London in September 83 there was a a big sign on top of city hall counting the unemployment rate and they changed it every day. So it was 3 million and something I think the day I arrived. And that's out of a population what's the london's population 10 million? Um it was a big number and it got bigger every day. Wow. And you know the miners were on strike, the police were in the streets it was a very different place and you go back and look at that now and you go that's a really prosperous city full of russian money um house prices of um you know back then you could you could buy a a two-bedroom unit for thirty thousand pounds and um i don't know what the number is today but it's a lot more than that (laughs) (laughs) but it was it was a depressed time Hmm. interest rates were 12 thirteen percent inflation was six or seven uh, unemployment was seven or eight percent um, we haven't seen that for or for forever well not forever but certainly even the nineties oh, recession wasn't that bad um well even
2: yeah and the, the financial crisis impact economically in Australia was very under um, I guess more subtle than it was so a financial
1: well. services recession largely hmm
2: yeah, well, by the sounds of it, they need a bit of a haircut. Probably. Hey,
1: <laughs>
2: Speaking of haircuts. <laughs> <laughs> so I really, I wouldn't mind going, I want to hear some of the stats around. Now that you've got like 4,000 mm-hmm. members, I'd love to hear some stats. But what I wouldn't mind um, is if you can share how the process works with this journey for your clients because a lot of advisors, like that's that's, you can have these things that you want to do, but if um, one of the hardest things is when do I do it in the process? Do I do it before they come to the meeting? How does it look? like? What's what's the flow that you go with when you engage with these new clients?
1: Yeah, I mean, the starting point is usually a Facebook post of some form or another. Right. Um, like a blog or just so, an advertisement? Um, well, they're generally sponsored posts or videos. Um, just a view or, or something else? Um, we've been... I, I did the Today show um a couple of well, probably a couple of months ago now, yep. and we've been running that video as a great on as a sponsored post driving people to a landing page to download an ebook on the live show. There's ten reasons why budgets don't work and what you can do about it. cool um and that's just been working its ass off. so that's yeah you know, three dollar acquisition, ac- acquisition cost. cost, yep. cost of acquiring a, an email address for three dollars. Okay, like that's just um unbelievable. mm. And interestingly, the cost of a female email address is three quarters of a male cost.
0: Yeah, right. Okay. we'll, so
1: we'll so f- just cut the gender <laughs> off, eh? Like, um, yeah,
2: go down to a dollar. So <laughs> that's so that's the entry point to the funnel. Do you know how much, um, or is it too early for the the final
1: stat? How what's the conversion to clients, and how much does that technically cost when you? Well, that's the that's the sixty four million dollar question. That's still work in progress. Um, our Business plan was based on getting it down to about between 100 and 150 over time. yep um, And the first month business plan we said, well let's start at just over a thousand. Um, and we're tracking probably ahead of that. Um, but probably the bigger difference we'd expect to have this big pool of people who were just paying the $15 a month subscription mm-hmm. and a much smaller pool paying something else, whether they bought a home loan or an insurance policy or well, well, super advice. So the conversion from member to product has been much, much higher than we'd expected. So although there's been fewer in the pool, there's been more in the product. So we obviously need to do something more on that early engagement piece, which is what we're building out now. And so people download the book? Yep. Um, and then they'll get into a... Um, an email drip which introduces them to the the life super eight step eight step process. Start off with an intro from me, mm-hmm. um, and um, that takes them through the eight steps with links out to articles that deal with each of the eight steps. So the eight steps are: you know, spend less than you earn, build an emergency stash, pay off your debts, sort your super, prepare for the unexpected, which is about risk, get your paperwork short, sorted, which is around. You know, what documentation you need for a home loan, wills, power of attorney, all that sort of stuff. And then you move on to buy and pay off your home and invest your surplus. So it doesn't sound like rocket science, but the pro- process leads people through that. And each one of those has a piece of advice that goes with it. Right. So on the spend list in your own, you might buy a budgeting course or you might buy some budget co- spending coaching, um, pay off your debts. You might buy a debt elimination course. A life Sherpa course. Yep. 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 Um, is that
2: like a, that's a video course? Um, we're
1: building these all out using Thinkific at the moment. Um, so the first one that goes live, which is in limited release at the moment, is our pre-marriage course. Exciting. Oh, so you're like a, like a priest. Like yeah, well, <laughs> well we, call it, we call it the money vows, and it, it, it's based around 10, 10 conversations you must have before you get married. And they go through, again, personality, values, goals, and yeah, Move cool. on to dealing with. Debt. Well,
2: actually, before we yep. get off that, Sorry. so so the Clayton actually
0: would probably. Um, could you email that to him? I'm about to get married, <laughs> yeah. so he's probably going to. So, so the, this eight steps. Uh, so someone comes, downloads the ebook, yep. you get their email. At what point? So so I understand you're doing these financial eight yep. steps. At what point do people do this personality and
1: values test? That and will, that well, will ha- well, the personality is very early in that process, like step one or step two
0: or step three or whatever. It w- it
1: I think it comes into about email number two in the drip. Right. So, um, so but some people may have come in that way. That's another lead magnet. And that's right. a link to the so quiz. You're, so you're you're we- not
0: really s- you're not really putting this as a sequential thing. Do this. Do this. Do this. Like as far as that, uh, those um, values and 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 all that piece. You're actually. Blending it in with eight financial lessons.
1: That's right. Right. Um, and where you come into that point is the interesting bit. So you might have done the quiz in, in Facebook. So we've been running that as a, a sort of a giveaway in Facebook and we've been yeah, getting them completed for around $15. Right. That's, so it's an expensive acquisition. Well, not expensive, but it's relatively expensive compared to giving an e-book. Yes. It doesn't cost as much to do it, um, there's a small incremental cost, but it doesn't cost that much, um, and it gets a lot of a lot of, lot of buy-in. Yeah. So, so you you answer the quiz. Um, there's 28 statements that you agree or disagree with. So right. it's no per- personal information. And who developed this thing for you? Um, well, so the underlying algorithm we license out of the US. Um, cool. There's a psychologist called Kathleen Gurney who developed it in the early 80s. Right. And it's been used by um, some of the big. Advice groups in the US, so you're white labeling that. Yeah, so well, w- right. we've sort of Australianized it, and sure. So we just use the underlying algorithm. So we, but you've just so got more ans- swearing. So we answer the questions. We answer. <laughs> we host the questions. We send off the answers, and that comes back with a series of results. Yep. And we then take those results and massage it into our report. So Great. the report you get is a LifeShopper report, which reflects our personality and branding and. Great. sort of things. And we started by giving that away on Facebook, which gets a lot of buy in. So you've got someone who agrees or disagrees with twenty eight questions and there's no real personal information in. So people feel relatively unthreatened by it. But we actually know quite a lot about someone who's done a money personality test. So we know what your hot buttons are. So we know what the things, you know, whether you're going to be driven by um, aspiration or by fear or by Mike. right and then so, and then, so then what then do you do ta- ta- that then our drip program is then tailored based oh, on oh wow that. so so, cool. so you
0: trigger your this personality therefore so you, get you get this set of email emails. that's great right. they're so sort is, of
1: the same emails but they just slightly this
0: is kind slightly. of like uh, the the announcer thing of how do you like to be communicated to and then just simply asking them and then yeah. giving them communicate uh, give them uh Documentation based on how they like to be, but you're sort of dressing it up a little bit uh, fancier uh,
1: and and offering a little bit more value
0: within 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 that questionnaire.
1: That's right, and it also drives our advice process. So if you score really high on your on your on an involvement score, your classic teachers and engineers will give you more information in your statement of advice. Wow, Um, so (laughs) man, this this is what I was talking about the other day. So you, yeah, so so for someone who profiles as a optimist or a hunter, will go, look, Clayton, the answer is A, yeah, for nice. these reasons. Yeah. If you profile with a high involvement score, like a producer or an achiever, we'll go, look, the answer is A, for these reasons. But we also looked at B, C, and D and eliminated them for these reasons. Right. And that actually heads off a lot of those questions. Mm. I mean, Any- You're going to get them anyway. Yeah. So anyone who's had an engineer mm. as, a, uh, as a client will, will know the level of almost second-guessing the client gives of your advice yeah. so they want to know every in and out and what every well, fear is to be fair you get questioned
0: regardless of their personality Patty. <laughs> it's
1: not true <laughs> they all trust me well, Pat- i just want to know more details well, patty- that's all Patty did provide us with our first Sherpa. so um yeah, our first yeah, advisor really. came from the the patty academy of ah. real world financial planning one of the many one of the many <laughs> totally businesses that patty's got in
0: his uh, rucksack <laughs>
1: so um so that's where the terminology totally so knows, that- except for the bad stuff <laughs> so that could be where you you come in you might come in on the money personal. but in- Wherever you end up, you end up in this eight-step drip, which, right. I mean, which I think has got about 12 emails. And people out. will fill some out and not others and so out. so where they react to those. So in each one, it says, look, here's what step one is, and you'll know you've mastered this when you A, B, C, D, E. Awesome. And each of those has got a hyperlink to an article. Very cool. And, that, that, that you've written. That's that cool. we've, That's hosted on the website. Do they have to do it before they meet you or either no. video or
2: – so there's not a requirement for it to happen before – Of course not. It's yeah, captured
0: no. off the internet. Yeah. Yeah, keep going. Um,
1: so, no, no, I mean
2: like if they haven't done the that course and they come to you, will you require them to do the quiz before you talk to them more like have a meeting? You mean the money personality test? Yeah.
1: Yes. Uh, yeah. That okay. will always be done as a precursor to – the first discovery meeting.
2: And does that guide, so we've talked about it guiding like communication, does it guide how the meeting goes as well?
1: Yeah, it will guide how we, it's not all that formal and perhaps that's something we need to do a bit more work on, but it will guide, so an advisor looking at that goes, well, my client is a hunter, so I have a fair feeling about what her, and it is usually her, her hot buttons are, and therefore I need to hit these off and I need to, Tailor my communications to line up with those expectations. Very cool. So do you think it makes it a lot more efficient? Um, yeah, I think but I think the biggest contributor to the efficiency argument is that the member or client is pre has made some pre-judgments before they come to that discovery meeting. Yeah. So having worked their way through the the various tools on the website, they've actually made a A sort of buying decision. So they've realised, oh look, my budget's out of control I need some help, or actually this income protection stuff, that's something I should have a look at. So it's not, so the advice process is then a coaching and customer service exercise rather than a sales and education exercise. And that's where the cost is. So the cost of sitting with a client and going this is what life insurance is, this is what TPD means, this is what income protection is, that costs a lot of money. So Mm -hmm. if you're if you need to make three hundred bucks an hour for an advisor time, mm. yeah. So if they're making hundred bucks an hour, you need to be making three hundred bucks. So how do I do that? You can't do that unless you're going to be charging them a, yeah, an assets under management type fee, or or a high fixed fee, or a high fixed fee, mm. um, which means they need a relatively high income to be willing to pay it.
2: Mm. Well, that's not a bad segue into actually sharing like how cost competitive.
0: You well, guys before are. we get oh, there, before, before we get there, I would love to just get through this these these emails. Sure. So we haven't we, have, we haven't actually. So oh, they just keep on going. They just yeah. keep on splitting. So, so there's about, about twelve there. of
1: them. So there, there's an intro. This is this is who I am and why LifeShaper is what it is and why I set up LifeShaper. Then there's the eight. And interspersed in them, there's a couple of points like a little point about, well, if you've already got um, life insurance, uh, why not set us up as your advisor so that we can rebate commissions or give you the advice and manage claims? If you've got a home loan, you say, well, look, if you've had your home loan for more than two years, it's time to have a look at refinancing. So there's a little bit of product stuff in the middle of that stuff. And then when you get to the end, which I think is email 12 off the top of my head, there's a, well, now that you've read that, here's some things you could consider doing today, Um, like go and complete your Freedom Factor quiz, go and read this, try this, um, or look at these areas of your life. And then, um, so through that process, our primary goal is to get them to subscribe to a $15 a month subscription or buy a course. That's the goal of that exercise. Which can happen at any point. Any point on that, based on what triggers their
0: fancy. And and then let's say, uh, let's say they don't do a course, but let's say they sign up
1: to the $15 per month. What do they get for that? That gets them access to all of the tools on the website, which is really around... Well, there's a whole bunch of resources around education and e-books and all that sort of stuff, which is slowly being turned into video. Um, there's access to an advisor to ask questions, so you can... Email your Sherpa and say, you know, I've I've just got this tax bill. What do I need to do about it? Should I pay off my HEX? Um, There's a whole bunch of questions we get. A lot of them are around this whole whole HEX. Creates a lot of angst. Um, And access to our commission rebate program. So if you've already got a a life policy, so if you're already paying a $4,000 a year premium, you'll actually get more rebate than you'll pay us for $15. So... That's the low-hanging fruit. Yeah. So they will. There's, that's almost a no-brainer. Yes. Although it does take a bit of explaining. Because <laughs> first of all, you've got to explain commissions, and then you've got to explain, well, actually, we can give it back to you, and actually, your commissions are paying for advice. How many people don't
2: know that there's a commission there, or like, yeah, I guess that's the question. <laughs>
1: I would say, well, probably more than half to most. Yep. Um. I think people realise it when they're buying the product, but they forget about it. But you know, five years into a life policy, mm. um, I don't think many. Certainly, my our experience is that you've actually got to explain to them that there is commissions, mm-hmm. and that ten to twenty percent of your premium is going in commissions, which is actually supposed to be paying for advice. Now, are you getting the advice you're paying for? So, we're not saying that commissions are inherently bad, mm. but it's there for a reason. And it's there for a reason because it's supposed to pay for you know, annual review. So when your statement comes out and says, you know, inflation is 3% this year, your limit's just gone up, mm-hmm. um, is that right? Is that appropriate? And to deal with claims. And that's the bit that most people don't focus on. And it's, the, it's a hard message to deliver. You know, if you're selling risk, I'm sure you'd, you'd understand that. Um So most people don't really get this. So there's a bit of education. So through the emails, we're saying, well, look, here's how the system works. Um, Make sure that you're getting value for what you're paying. So they may have, in most cases, they've been to see an advisor many years ago who they've never heard of since. And um, most of them are actually quite gobsmacked to realise, actually, I'm still paying that guy Mm. money. And that's, I guess, that was the education piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. And so- similarly with your home loan. So you start with a home loan and you go, well, um, if you've had a home loan for two years, um, someone's probably getting trail on that. And the bank's not rewarding your, your your loyalty. So now let's have a look at that. So there's their, their sort of the low-hanging fruit that trigger people to do something today. It's very hard to get someone to deal with their will or estate planning today. Yeah. You know, they say the best time to write your will is, well, if you know when you're going to die, it's the day before. Right. If you don't know when you're going to die, it's today. But giving that piece of advice to somebody is really, really hard mm. and difficult as a leading And Christian.
0: And so you've basically just got two revenue models, one for $15, one for courses. Is there anything else that you Yeah, get?
1: so our, our revenue is largely in th- three-thirds, if you like, um, there's subscriptions and courses. Mm-hmm. There's home loans. Mm-hmm. And there's life, mm-hmm. life policies. Yep. And they're the three. And then there's a handful of stuff from you know, car buying, health insurance, personal loans. Um, well, you do courses on them? No, that, that's act, actual transactions. Oh, right. So you do
0: general insurance as well?
1: Yeah, we got a license to deal in general insurance. Right. Um, we don't do p- personal advice on general insurance. Um, but you know, if you go and look at a typical 30-year-old, well, where's the money being spent? You know, the three decisions that drive where your budget goes is where you live, what you drive, and what you owe. So if we can't deal with those three, um, we're missing out on big chunks of people's lives. So, so where you live is around you know, well, how much home is right, mm-hmm. and the answer is usually buy real estate, not too much when the time is right, mm-hmm. and um, so getting the right. The right purchase price is the fundamental to that question, so not spending too much, and how you fund it. And I said that's you know, 40% of all fees and commissions paid by Australians for financial services. And then you move into um, obviously insurance, uh, debt elimination, because that's where you owe, and the car. And so you don't actually do personal financial advice? Yeah, we do. You do? Yep. Yeah.
0: With that $15 we, we, a month. No, no, not for $15 a <laughs> month. So
1: each piece... So that gets you access to general questions. So if someone's got, yes. yeah, should I pay off my HEX? Um, yeah, you get a response to that. But anything that needs a statement of advice or a credit guide, so anything that's real advice in that traditional sense, there's a fee associated with that. It's when Big Vince stamps it. <laughs> and that's either a fixed fee. So if you want to... You know, what should I do at my super? Well, that's a fixed fee for that. Sure. Um, for home loans and insurance it's a fixed fee taken from the commissions yep so we've effectively turned all these variable commissions into fixed fees really
0: and then what do you, and then you rebate, we the, rebate the excess cool um, well wow, mate it's, it's that's a it's a very complex multifaceted offering that you've got here yeah and you know it's still a work in progress yeah um, <laughs> it's very
1: very holistic on many, many levels. That's right. And to get the cost down, so we've taken a holistic approach by developing a holistic framework and then delivering individual pieces of advice within that. This sounds like Adrian Patty's dream. Hey. I'm going to say that I haven't been getting a little bit excited about what Vince has been saying. (laughs) (laughs) So all pieces of advice are single topic. Right. So if you want a piece super advice... You get a statement of advice around super. You want risk? A risk statement of advice. Right. You want a home loan? You get a credit. And then credit. each thing is uh, the rest is scoped out. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Each piece. It's within an overall framework though. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably the important point. So I think about it as holistic advice delivered sequentially. And what punches out the advice? We have a very large machine called Salesforce. Salesforce punches out your advice. You're using Conga. We're using Conga. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. um,
0: a bit of conga. What what are you paying for your Salesforce per year? It's a personal
1: question. Salesforce is actually the cheap bit. Um, What? Pardot, Pardot, which is our marketing automation. Oh, you use Pardot. That's like a grand a month or something. Uh, So our Salesforce bill is about $150 per seat per per month or per quarter. But
2: you've done a lot of customizations for that. yeah. Yeah. So that's like – if we want to quantify how much Vince has spent in – Depending on what alley rate you want to use, it's not a cheap piece of software. Yeah. Arguably, yeah. Um, there's a million dollars
0: of development spend on our balance. Pit ship. my ride sort of thing, yeah. <laughs> the,
1: over about four years.
0: Yeah, right. Okay, a million, bucks about a million bucks. spent
1: or just your time? No, that's actual cash spent.
0: Oh, a million dollars to set up CRM.
1: Bucks. Well, so CRM is a it's it's the whole business. So that includes right. you know building all the website. Building out Does all these that
0: include? Tools. Oh, that includes, say, the, the results to the questionnaires, yeah, and all that, of that stuff. So the
1: the total spend on what I would call development stuff, yes, which is a combination. Okay, so a million dollars to set up the business, basically, give or take, over about four years. Um, some of which was provided by the uh, by the government through the R and D grant system. Mm, um, hell yeah! Well, yes,
2: you would have needed to have a very tailored. We looked into that for what I've been doing, and. If you're if you're not spending it's essentially if you're not spending enough on customizing something, you can't qualify. Mm. If you let's if you wanna do it a bit more sort of um arguably somewhat say efficiently, depending on what state of um, affairs
0: you're Yeah, looking Patty up. gets a couple of programs, sticks Zapier in between. He's like, What? What? <laughs> what? <Is> this not <laughs> Boom, enough? Done. Yeah. No, <laughs> give me the millions. <laughs> it, it's
1: more about starting with say you gotta do some research or work that you Couldn't have known the answer to before. Yes, it's very scientific, the qualifier. So this is all about saying, well, how do we – do we know that people will actually follow this stuff online? And can we actually build financial competency and skills? Why don't I take that path? So not all of this spending is eligible. So a lot of this –
2: yeah. Yeah. All the websites... Oh, are... and they map it to... Yeah. And so then it... they take it away if it doesn't match up, if they do an order as well.
1: That's so right. you sort of... So all the website stuff's all built offshore. So none of that's eligible expenditure.
0: Mm. Well, mate, it sounds very interesting what you've got. Can um, advisors, it, and we touched on this before, can advisors use
1: any of the tools and things that you've built? Right now, that's probably really hard. Um, okay. We are looking at a bunch of ways that we could... Um, expand the use of these tools and make them more usable to individuals. Mm. Uh, white labelling the money personality test is probably the first one that yeah. we would look at. But my the big project that we're working on at the moment is to try and create local providers of the LifeShareP way. So if you think about LifeShareP as being online, it's like the gym. But there's a huge number of people who actually want a personal trainer. So we are looking... And this is still a work in progress about how we could, in effect, have endorsed local providers like accredited life Sherpa coaches who could deliver all of this stuff one on one locally.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so using the methodologies, using the back office tools, and um, but delivering it to their clients one on one. There's a whole bunch of you know, sort of decisions has to be made as to how you actually do that. So you look at well who who would make a good life show accredited coach? Well, it's someone who they might be a life coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might do property or wealth, so called wealth coaching. Mm-hmm. They might be financial advisors who want to do a more coaching based approach. Mm-hmm. Or they could even be mortgage brokers. Now each of those has got slightly different needs. Um so, for a life coach, they're obviously not qualified to do financial advice. So, we'd need to do all of the product advice stuff in back office. Yep. And obviously share the revenue that way. For an advisor, someone who's actually qualified to be IG 146 or whatever the <laughs> the modern equivalent of that's been blown out of the yeah. water. Well, recently. that technically <laughs> doesn't exist anymore. Um, <laughs> at least the register doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, they might benefit from becoming an authorized rep of. Money Sherpa, which is our licensee, um, but still trying to work that through. So, But it would start with a well, coaching course and then some sort of ongoing I've got support. have 400 or so mates looking for a, uh, <laughs> for a job <laughs> recently. So, um, so it's, it's obviously someone who has that approach to – wants to take that approach with their So clients. you'd be
0: open to ex-dover guys coming, knocking?
1: That's right. Okay. Um, I mean, we put that out um, – Obviously, it doesn't suit everyone. Mm. Um, we have a very specific offering. Does everyone have to wear that that laundry tax deduction shirt right there? <laughs> <laughs> no, but they are available. We have them in the merch shop. You can buy t-shirts, polo shirts. Hola! <laughs> the Life for merch shop is open for business. <laughs> Woo! Um, but yeah, so so someone who comes from a traditional, um, I think a lot of Dover advisors may have come from an accounting background, mm. and. It, financial financial planning was an add-on to the business. Mm. Probably might not suit that sort of... But a an advisor who's focusing on um, the younger uh, clientele with less of an investment advice focus, we could suit. So happy to have a chat to anyone who's listening. Awesome, man. And so what's the best way for them to get in contact? Um, you can call 1300 MySherpa or mm-hmm. get on the au website and uh, submit a... Uh, Ask you show up a question. Awesome man! Or well, we have intercom you- on the website. You can Ooh, get on. The you've got line. intercom on the website. And interestingly, <laughs> this is, blows me away. The, the most common response it pops up and says, um, "Yeah, is there anything we can help you with today?" And the number of people who type in, no, just browsing things, <laughs> is huge. Does that tell you stop bothering people? <laughs> <laughs> it, it just. <laughs> Yeah, you know, that and
2: that's counted. It's good, but because you've gotten some engagement. Yeah, that's the first but, but touch it, point. It
1: was just uh. not expected. And the other, the m- most common financial question is, "Can I get hex if I'm bankrupt?" Don't ask me why. Okay, that's hilarious. Do you have um, a bite on there? On, on the, the, the the website, on the intercom. The messenger, yeah, the intercom. Yeah, intercom. Well, it only asks the first question automatically. Oh, you gotta like have all the.
0: Oh, let's not get him started. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> right, mate. Great to have you. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers, it. Thank you.